This morning in the Gospel of John, we find ourselves in chapter 14, and I'll begin with verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we continue our Lenten journey through the I Am Statements, and today you see it over here. A banner's been added, the way, the truth, and the life. I think of all those I Am Statements, I think maybe this one is easiest for us to access. I mean, after all, uh, we are people that, there's this relentless stimulus in us every day to get up, go on, keep moving. We're always on the way to somewhere. After church today, you'll probably be out walking in the streets, go down to Patton Avenue, you'll run into a friend who says, where, what you doing? He said, and you'll say, well, I'm on the way to lunch. It's, it's our story. But then there are those ways that they're a little more consequential. They, they have to do not just with a little byway here or there, it's the, the way of our life, where we direct and aim our life. The, compelling and driving authority that might be out in front of us calling us forward and putting our feet on the path. Now, some people would say there's none of that in my life. I mean, there's some people that say, I don't live under the influence of any religion or any person. I just think for myself, period. That's an honorable perspective, but guess what? They got that perspective from somewhere, something from someone existentially. We're all followers. We're all believers. Remember um, Alice in Wonderland? Alice comes to this crossroads. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite a complex crossroad. And there's the cat. And she meets the cat, and she's looking at all these choices, and she says, 
well, which way should I go from here? And the cat says, well, it depends on where you want to go. And Alice says, well, I don't really care which way I go. And the cat says, well, it doesn't matter then which way you go. And Alice says, well, I want to go somewhere. And the cat says, you're sure to do that. Do you get it? I mean, we can say we don't really believe in anything. We don't think about these things. We can refuse to make up our mind, but we really can't refuse to make up our lives. That gets made up one way or the other. Every day we get up and we move and we go towards someone, something. Jesus said, I'm the way. I love, you know I love to hike, so I love this kind of language. This just plays into my wheelhouse. And As a trekker and hiker, I have to say that I love those ways where you start at point A, and somewhere down the road, you're going to come out at B. You're going to come out a place you hadn't been before. Now, I've told you recently I was in the Cotswolds and did a good bit of trekking. And a lot of my hiking, because of transportation issues, it was circle hikes. I would start here in a little village and walk around and come back. That wasn't bad. I wasn't retracing my steps. But at the end of the day, I came back to the same parking lot where I started. But along those ways, I would often find myself on what was called the Cotswold Way. It's an ancient path, all the way from Chipping Camden down to Bath. And when I walked on those, those, that trail, I kind of liked that. It was alluring because I thought if I stayed on this, I would not come back to a parking lot where I started. I'd come out where I hadn't been. I love to tell our confirmation class, that's, that's the Christian journey, that's the Christian path. You're not going to find yourself on this road and one day hit a dead end and be in the land of, oh, I've done that, I've been there, or you're not going to find yourself coming back to the parking lot where you started. The great thing about this way we're on is we're always trespassing, crossing over old boundaries of living and learning. Now, if I were braver, uh, I was, I was a little braver at this point. I'd tell you I was going to sing a song. And if uh, you were a little braver, you would tell me, you would encourage me. I'm not going to sing a song. I'm going to read this. It is a song from Lord of the Rings, um, Bilbo Bangs. And the song goes like this. The road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone. And I must follow if I can, pursuing it with weary feet until it joins some larger way. And the road goes ever on and on. This may sound a little crazy, but that's why we're all here in this room. You know? Because in some way or other, we've picked this road or it's picked us. Oh, we may have started different points and places, and we may talk about the road in a little different terms from one another. But we are here because of the turning of the road. There's not a person in this space that um, doesn't have shoes that contain clay feet. <laughs> you know, feet that drag and feet that stumble. But it's on just such feet that... Um, we try to follow this road through the world in which there are so many other roads. And let's be honest, let's be honest. A lot of those other roads, uh, they're more clearly marked and the, the end is more easily attained. But this road has picked us or we've picked it and here we are, the way, the 
truth, life. It's like Jesus saying there's wines through that which we think of as real life, a way of life, a way to life. You see, Jesus isn't really talking about religion here. He's talking about reality. He's talking about finding a way to how life lines up to how it's supposed to be. Now, if we're going to really understand this I am statement, we got to spend a little time in the 14th chapter of John setting the context. These men that loved Jesus, his closest friends, knew they were about to lose him. It was like the casket, his casket was already in the room. Um, their hearts were breaking. Of course they were sad. Jesus is doing his best to help them. He says, now come on. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You know where I'm going. And good old Thomas had enough hotspot to raise his hand and say, excuse me, Jesus, but um, no, we don't know. And how could we know the way that you're going? You see, Jesus had already said things about being the light, the door, the shepherd, the vine. And now Thomas's question, it gives him the opportunity to put in a final piece of the puzzle. And Jesus said, okay, Thomas, and he says it to the others, I'm sorry, I really can't give you a road map. I really can't. But I can refer you to the way we have lived together. That life, that's the road. That's the path. And then he says, oh, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, we better be very careful with that statement. Oh, through the years, you know, Christians have taken that statement and it's given them permission to turn his way into crusades and inquisitions and holocaust. Let's just be honest. Christian history, we've got a lot of blood on our hands. We better be careful with this passage to realize Jesus isn't sitting here engaged in some kind of debate of claim of one faith against another one. This isn't some interfaith tribunal. What is this? He's with a really close group of friends, and they're troubled. They're, they're, their feet are still wet from his having washed them. One of them has his head on Jesus's chest. Jesus is not swelled up here with sense of superiority or comparison. No, he's, um, he's washed over with his concern about his best friends. And so he chooses to use the singular, um, that singular kind of exclusive language that lovers do. You know that, we use it. Um, you're, you're, you're the best mother that anyone ever had, or no one ever loved a child like I do. Now those aren't objective statements. Um, they're, they're not meant to judge other men, other mothers, other love. It comes out of the depth of relationship. Jesus here is, he knows this isn't the time for him to talk about different ways of understanding how to get to God, comparing. He just speaks out of his heart. He says, look, I'm the one for you. You made a good choice. There's no one that can show you the Father better than I can. Now, if you and I, if we wrench that from its moorings, then what we do, we'll use that to separate ourselves from our neighbors. 
and we will turn the way of servanthood into a way of dominance, and we will have deformed the gospel, we will end up being something less than Christian. Now, with that aside, I want us to get back to way, truth, life. Do, do you know that the early Christians, the early Christian church, it wasn't called the Christian church of the Mediterranean world. Do you know what Christians were called, the Christian church? The way. Isn't that good? It's called the way. And who were we? We were followers of the way. And when you put way together with life, it's pretty clear that Jesus isn't talking about some little side trail that we might meander down once in a while. He's talking about the very aim of the whole of our life, all of us. This is more than a lifestyle option. You know, we're really into lifestyle stuff. I was out of town, and I was reading this newspaper. It was a mid-sized town. It was a Sunday paper, and wasn't a very good sports page, wasn't a very good international page. I was reading some, this local article about the guy who was the director of the water authority for the county. I don't know why I really took time to read it, but I did. And there were a lot of humdrum, humdrum kind of quotes, predictable quotes about they were improving the quality of the, the water and different kind of technology that was available. But the thing that really caught my attention was there was this little colored block. And it was like a small town version of a USA Today feature. And it featured this director of water authority, his kind of personality profile, his lifestyle preferences. Role model, Abraham Lincoln. Um, Last book that you read, a novel by Robert Ludlam. Beverage of choice, Corona with Lyme, uh, primetime leisure activity, tennis, favorite singer, Bruce Springsteen, um, your wheels of choice, 1965 gold cutlass. Now, I don't know how this um, director of water authority felt about the billboarding of his preferences but the fact that the writer of the article was as interested in these little details of his private life as much as the public life just told me, man, we are so fascinated with lifestyle. Now, lifestyle is, is really just an assembled set of choices. Um, things that we like are things that we don't like. They either fit or they don't. But Jesus didn't come along and saying, why don't you just let me be one of those little options among many options you know check the box let's see religion I guess Christian Methodist that's kind of small and the problem with lifestyle options they 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 can be changed adjusted as easily as you change your cable watching patterns or your reading patterns or, or the purchase of a car I mean Jesus didn't get his followers around the table and say I would like you to see me as the way, the truth, and a lifestyle choice. Just a little spiritual applique added here or there. Um, Just a pinch of religion tossed in as the primetime leisure activity. Last week I was at the Kairos training um, and I heard John Cleese give his talk and he made this, this statement. He says, being a Christian involves our total life. It's about everything we do. 
when Jesus says, I'm to be your way in life, that's, that's what we're talking about, all of us. He wants to haul every bit of us down the road of um, abundance and redemption. Um, it could be all-encompassing. When I was in Kernersville, um, we had a man in our church, beloved barber, had a great barber shop, owned the shop, three-chair shop, had the old, you know, barber pole out there. It was a traditional kind of barber shop. Everybody liked to go there, place never empty. I think a part of it was because John, who owned the place, was a Christian. Now, he didn't wear it on his sleeve, and he didn't have a lot of scriptures up on the walls, but he just, he kind of brought the grace of his faith into that place. And it was a place of warmth and acceptance. And you would see men come in there and get a haircut, and you'd say to yourself, why are they in here? It looks like they just got a cut two or three days ago, but they would come back because it was such a good place to be. Oh, yes, two days a week, he would close the shop early, around 4.30, and he would go to a mental health hospital and cut men's hair for free. So I was sitting in the barbershop one day, and there was a good crowd there, and this fellow who was, to tell you the truth, he was usually a little too vocal and too loud. He was always asking everybody questions, and so he just blurts out, said, John, why, why do you go down to that, that old hospital and do all that? John didn't answer. He said, no, no, John, why do, why do you go down to that mental place and cut those men's hair? And John didn't say anything. And then finally he said, thought, I guess I got to give an answer. He just said, it's just what I do. Or he probably could have said, it's just the life, the life I live. You see, in Jesus, he didn't have a lifestyle option. He had a life, a life. There's another word up here. I've got to spend just a moment with it. It's the word truth. I find it very interesting that that word is bracketed between way and life. A lot of different kinds of truth. There's scientific truth that's found in the lab with the microscope. There's abstract truth find, found in the, the writings of a philosopher. But isn't there the kind of truth that is grounded in experience? What we experience on the road of life. You know, it's interesting, Jesus didn't come along and say, by the way, I have 10 um, theological propositions I want you to swallow before breakfast so you can be with me. Now, what did Jesus, how did he begin his relationship? He said, follow me. I'm sure part of that was he was wanting followers, he was wanting disciples. But wasn't he also said, if you want to know something about truth, you're going to discover it in the living, in the following. Oh, later in this passage, you know, after Thomas raised his hand, I guess Philip thought, oh, this is question and answer day. Philip raised his hand and he said, Jesus, this has been a nice day. Thank you for all the things you said. But you know what? If you could just... Show us the truth about the Father, then we would shut up. We'd be satisfied. Jesus goes, oh, my goodness. You mean you've been with me this long and you haven't seen? He even goes on and says, haven't you at least seen it in the workings? Isn't that interesting? You haven't you at least seen it in the workings of the way we have played out together? The healing, the helping, the feeding, the serving. Haven't you seen the truth there? 
I think it was my sophomore, junior year of college, I went through um, just that season. A lot of you have gone through, a lot of young adults have go through. It was questioning, trying to figure out these things that I've grown up with, I've learned in the church. I, I needed to find out in my own heart and mind, are they, are, they, are they really true? I didn't want it to be just something that dripped off the eaves of my parents' mind. I never folded the tent of faith, but I just wanted to wrestle with some of it. Well, I was home during the summer, and I thought, well, one way to wrestle with it was in my father's library. My father had a voluminous library of books of philosophy and theology. And I, I read one of the writings of Luther, Martin Luther. I thought, well, that's a great name in Christianity. I ought to find some help there. And I did find Luther was just, he introduced me to something called paradox and dialectic in our faith. And I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty deep. It seems pretty real. And then I got into the systematics of Paul Tillich and I took about 10 steps in and I thought, whoa, I'm not quite ready for this. But you know, through that season, the thing that kept my feet on the road, it was what I saw in the experience of some other people that were very significant to me, that I knew were people of faith, and they had wrapped up things like grace and hope in their lives. A coach, a teacher, Sunday school teacher, my parents. And I saw something, the best way I can say it, Something in them that was nothing less than being fully alive. And I thought to myself, I know where their faith lies, and it must be working. They found something that's real. Oh, so then I kept, like many of you did, you go through those seasons, and then I put my feet back on the road. And then I began to deepen in my own experience. There would be moments when I'd say, oh yeah, this is, this is how the world is meant to be. This is how things really fit in creation. Oh, this is really who God is. Oh yes, and this is who Jesus is. There would be moments when I would be able to say, oh, I can say, yeah, he, he is light. Door, he's a shepherd, and much, much more. The one who came to those first disciples of old still comes to us with the same words, follow me. And it's in the task and the toils. This is how many of us will come to experience who he truly is. And the road goes on and on and on.